0: Technisha. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. I'm your host, Technisha Day, and you're tuning into the Bright Side with Technisha. And today is January the 10th, 2017. Can you believe it? We're almost done with this month. <laughs> I tell you. So if you haven't started on your resolutions, as you want to call it, You better start now, right? Because there's no time like tomorrow. Remember, your coffin, your comfort zone is your coffin. So you better get the action plan started. I am so, so very excited to have my guest on because this woman I have seen played in one of my favorite movies. I'm going to get into it in just a moment. But I'm going to give you a little introduction to who she actually is before we talk about my favorite movie. From a bullied Diselect um messy, freckle faced, Klutzy, pixie, Lisa Lovin' Dalton grew into a statuesque and skillful stunt woman, actor, director, author, filmmaker, leadership life coach, and a ceremonial minister. Lisa spent years working with or doubling for a galaxy of celebrity stars, including Madonna, Meryl Streep, Robert Redford, Catherine Hepburn, Sean Connery, Dustin Hoffman, Dara Hannah, Michelle Michelle Pfeiffer, excuse me, Robin Williams, Robert Downey Jr., Liam Neeson, Cher, and more. She appeared in more than two hundred films, television shows, and commercials in New York, Hollywood, and Texas, including *Work*, *and in Ghostbusters*, *Money Pit*, *Crocodile Dundee*, *Married to the Mob*, *FX*, *Legal Eagles*, and *Splash* on the Bitch screen. *ER*. HBO's Carnival, Dr. Quinn, and Meryl Rose face among her many TV credits. In 1989, Lisa suffered a severe spinal injury that altered her path. To walk and function in chronic pain, Lisa researched medical and alternative paths that form the heart of what she shares with the world today. Today, she is also certified in NLP, hypnosis, and neurological repatterning. After her stunt career-ending injury, she resumed her passion to act and teach actors on stage and in film around the world, in Russia, Europe, and America. On the other side of the camera, she is an award-winning director, producer of independent fiction and documentary films. As president of the National Micah Shekhov Association, she has partnered with a university professor to develop the longest-running Micah Shekhov teacher certification program globally, always seeking and finding the silver lining, she has made the most of whatever life threw at her. She says, I spill stuff, trip and drip all the time. So I made a career out of it. My advice, embrace what it is. Embrace what is. It's perfect. I welcome you, Lisa Loving Dalton. Well, thank you thank so you, much Technicia. for being here. You are, <laughs> thank you are so welcome. I am just so honored. I'm sorry to sound so over rated right now, but I'm just so excited to have you on. My movies, uh, the the Last Dragon, that was my favorite. I can watch that for hours, show up. Who's the master? I love that movie. I was so <laughs> That is my movie. I love it. I love it. Let me how did you how did you even get your chance to star into that movie? Um were you discovered? Did you have the audition for that part?
1: Yes, yes, I did. I actually did, and you know, technician in my book, Falling for the Stars, A stunt Gals tattle tale, it it is the last story I tell because it's my favorite. It's the movie that is the most special to me. That of all the projects I've done, um, it's that one, and I was I got to be in it just. Number one, because Barry Gordy from Motown wanted a rainbow look for the movie. And he needed a white chick in the black gang, in Shonuff's gang. And so I was called because my um, casting friends knew I could do some martial arts and was a stunt woman. And even though the part. I got called in, actually, to be, just to do sort of background martial arts. And I went into this audition, and this was the 80s, right? I went in with my long red hair pulled up high on my head, and I went in with this plunging, shimmery uh, leotard with Flesh, shimmery tights, and the leotard came way up on my thighs, you know, almost like a thong, and um, plunging down my cleavage, and 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 high-heeled boots up to my knees, and came in and did some martial arts in those, and when I, uh, you know, walked out the room, I stopped, and I just before I went out the door. I looked over my shoulder and I said, by the way, I'm also a cop, and turned around and walked out because at the time, in addition to being a stunt woman, I was uh, a special police officer in Inglewood, New Jersey. And after I walked out, I started sort of like hitting myself in the head going, oh, gosh, they're looking for a gang member. Why did I mention I was a cop? That is just stupid. And I was so mad at myself. And then a couple days later, they called me and they said, Barry Gordy wants to meet you, and they want to have you audition for a speaking part. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, well, I'm just not going to say a word again about being a cop, right? So I go, and the moment I walk in the door, Barry Gordy looks at me, and he looks at the casting director and says, hey, she's the cop, right? (laughs) And I thought, oh, my gosh. (laughs) I guess, I guess what was was perfect because apparently he loved the idea that he had a you know a gang member being played by you know a stunt police officer. <laughs> so uh, it was a, it was amazing to work on the movie because a lot of people like Ty Mac and and Vanity. Um, I mean they were great people, but they had no idea. What they were doing as actors because they'd never been on the set before, and you had great actors who really knew how to act like Julius Carey the third who played shownuff and Chris murney and Faith Prince who you know who were the, the mobster characters and um, and and mixed in with a bunch of real martial artists, plus professional stunt people like myself, um, and so the whole the whole mixture was very unique, very special, and uh, I think that's why the movie, still today, it, it's um, you know Sony did a thirtieth anniversary release of a Blu-ray of it because. There is such a strong cult following, and I've had the honor of attending fan events for it, and people from all over the United States come to, to talk about how how this movie has inspired them to be stronger, more uh, empowered, and to believe in themselves. And, and that's, you know, if a movie... Uh, a little movie that I did over 30 years ago still helps people become stronger and believe in themselves and believe in, you know, that they have the power in themselves to do it. Uh, That's, that's what, you know, my job is really all about.
0: You have an interesting job. I would tell you that I cannot imagine what it's like to actually be a stunt double, but it, 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 it has to be fascinating I mean, to do this, and you have worked with so many great people, as we mentioned in the introduction, Madonna, one of my favorite, Liam Neeson. Child, I would love to work with Liam Neeson. I love every movie that he possibly plays in. He is such a good actor. Woo! Yes,
1: he really he
0: he is. I love him.
1: He really is such a a wonderful actor and uh, a a very nice man, and uh, getting to work with him, I got to work with him on the first movie that he did in the United States, and nobody knew him yet. And he played a homeless person in the film with Cher, and nice I stunt doubled Cher. And uh, we also worked with Dennis Quaid in that movie. And uh, Liam played a homeless person and who who was mute, couldn't speak, and he did a great job on it. And I, I was like, this is this is an interesting actor. I'm going to keep my eye on him. So I always feel sort of sort of like a a little. Uh, fan who's an auntie of his you know U.S. career
0: (laughs) oh I'm going to have to do more of my homework I didn't know of these movies but see that's why I love watching Sundance Mm -hmm. Channel because most of the times you'll catch most of the movies that actors have played in that are not as noticeable to everyone else but oh yeah I'm going to definitely have to put that on my list of things to watch and go back out I'm going to end up Googling unless you know the name to it Oh, it's um, to the movie. I wanna...
1: It's called Suspect. Okay, and uh, a okay. couple things, um, Liam you know, play, plays a deaf mute, a uh, homeless person. And that's, you know, Technisha, when you do stunts, a lot of times you cannot actually be seen at any time because, like, you won't notice when, um, in that movie, Cher's driving her car and her car gets broken into, uh, while she's sitting in it, um, the window is shattered, and that's actually me driving the car. Um, and you, most people would never notice that. But what you can see of me is... In the beginning, the dead body floating in the river, that is me. And you can see, you can very clearly see that that's, that's me. I'm the dead body floating in the river with my throat slashed.
0: So. I, always like, I always like how they did stunt doubles because they do it so quickly where you don't even know that the person is actually, um, that you don't know that the, that the other person is a stunt double because the way they, do the takes and everything so it's amazing especially if you're good at what you do and good at editing you won't be able to actually tell so who all have because I know we mentioned in addition the people that you actually have worked with what other famous people um, have you done stuff doubles for
1: Um, Grace Jones
0: oh wow
1: (laughs) I did a, a, um, a music video for Grace Jones and That was really fun. Uh, I don't know if you remember the idea of the bionic woman. Um, You know, bionic characters could, could do things like jump from the alley up to the top of the building. And in this uh, video, Grace Jones was uh, she was in a gorilla suit, and she was jumping down a giant set of stairs. Each step was about three feet high. And she jumped down the steps and she got down to the bottom of about six steps, and then she jumped straight up to a twenty five foot platform on top. And that was actually me. And what I'm doing is I'm jumping backwards off the platform. And landing on the first step um, uh, and then they reversed the film and put it put it the opposite direction, so that was that was probably the most unique choice of doubling for me, but I was you know um they they didn't have any um african American girls who knew how to do the job and I hope. I hope today we have more um, appropriately ethnic women doing the jobs. Although I have to say, I'm just being a little political here, technician. If you don't mind, one of our Screen Actors Guild representatives was recently on a film set and saw that they had put a man in a wig, and I'm just oh. uh, I'm not real happy about that because I worked real hard I'm in not... the '80s for us to get Why? the right you know women to get the right to stunt double women.
0: But, exactly. Uh, you know, I, blame you. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be happy either. You know, that's it doesn't make any sense. Just like some of these movies, a film, a movie on Native Americans, but then you don't have any Native Americans. You have someone imitating that. So I definitely understand your standpoint from that. The same way, I'm not trying to get off the subject more, but the same way, like most movies will portray African Americans, but then you don't even have African Americans in the movies. like okay. What's really going on? So I can stand, I can see from your standpoint as being from a woman. Yes, I would be upset. Like, you could have got a woman to play that part, but you decided to get a man dressed up. That's the problem. And Hey, no offense, but that's the problem now that we have going on. We got two men and men trying to be us, okay? Yep. We don't need that in the film, too. So, yes, I would be teed off. But I'm sure, you know... As a career option, this was something that wasn't on, you know, that wasn't something that a guidance counselor had on their list or or thought of as a legitimate career possibility, right?
1: Right, right, yeah. And um, back to your question, I did get to stunt double uh, Meryl Streep, who was absolutely amazing, and I got to work with Madonna. I stunt doubled Madonna on Saturday Night Live, and I worked with a lot of – uh, a, a lot of a- actresses who are not quite as well-known said Z- Daphne Zuniga. I, I leapt a, across a six-story uh, rooftop, uh, an alley in New York, which was probably the most scary thing I ever did, um, jump, jumping across an alley without uh, an airbag. They had one of those, you know, it always reminds me of the cartoons, one of those little um trampolines, down, you know, six stories down, and I was like, Yeah, I don't know. If I miss this leap, I'm going to crash into the wall. I'm going to ricochet off the wall, and they're going to be running around down there, over here, over there. Where is she going to land? So, <laughs> fortunately, I made it. <laughs> but um, that was that was pretty interesting. <laughs> so those it, those are some of the. It sounds
0: you know, like, key it sounds like it. there's a there's a pretty lot of heavy. The goal goes on being a stunt double, but the um, I find that the professions often divided into specialties. What are yours? What don't you do, and why?
1: Um. Well, I did. Uh, I did a lot of car work, uh, cars and motorcycles. I'm I'm great, a great driver. And I really loved that. So I did a lot of commercials with, you know, when you see those groups of cars riding in formations and splitting up and those sorts of things, I really loved doing that. And so I was, uh, you know, a motorcycle gal and a a car person, and I was um, very good at the combat, so things like – uh, the fights and the falls those were were real strong i did a lot of work on the east coast so we didn't do a lot of horses there just weren't i mean i i could ride a horse but if you had a western where you know i needed to fall off or something that really wasn't my thing I would fall off of, of the, my iron horse you know crash my motorcycle on cue but i really wasn't a horse a horse gal and um And I really, the other, my real specialty was if you needed acting plus stunts, where instead of being a double, I was actually being the character who had the stunt done to them. For example, in a movie called FX, I needed to play the character of a stunt woman who was doing a stunt, and they had to shoot me in close up, being really terrified and all they, they had to audition all the stunt players and the director picked me because I could convincingly act the part and then break out of it and pretend like I was a stunt woman. So, um, (laughs) playing a stunt woman is kind of funny in the movie within the movie. So my specialty really was being able to act the stunt. And that's also one of the things I do. I help, um, teach stunt players how to be better actors, as well as, of course, I teach actors how to be better actors, and, um, (laughs) you know, that's kind (laughs) of where I went after I sustained my, um, my stunt injury, so, yeah, so... I was the really an actor who did stunts, and I loved doing stunts. But I also knew that my destiny was not as a stunt woman. And I got hurt when when I'd actually quit doing stunts, and then I went back and did one more, even though I knew, you know, God was telling me not to do these things anymore, and to trust that I had another path. I just kind of didn't pay attention, and so I really encourage people to pay attention to the messages
0: right <laughs> and sometimes we, we don't listen but i'm glad now that you're up and you're capable of moving around and everything um do you believe the universe tries to give us clues to nudge us in the direction of following our heart
1: i do absolutely i I had many um messages that were telling me that my uh, my acting work was getting very strong and that I shouldn't be endangering my body and um and I just didn't listen. And now I listen to things. I I hear messages. Uh, I see little signs. And, you know, Technicia, these signs can be anywhere. They can come in a dream. They can come in a, in a church service. They can come on a billboard. You, they can come over the radio. You just don't know where the messages are. But if you have any doubt about where you're going or something starts to feel not right you can just ask the universe to to help you understand where you're supposed to be going and then if you ask you need to listen because a lot of times um, the messages are right there and i had three different friends i talk talk about it in falling for the stars that were killed um, about two years before i got my severe injury and and if three separate, very talented stuntmen in four months died doing stunts, I I certainly did not pay attention to everything that was telling me to stop. And um, I paid enough attention to to take stunts off my resume and just start pursuing my acting career, but I kept doing them when people asked me to do them because I was afraid to let go of the money, because I was afraid to let go of being, you know, one of the top stunt women in the world or whatever. I was, you know, I got my ego caught up in it, and we just can't let our ego block us from hearing the signs. And when I... when I. Had a 46% permanent loss of use of my back, and I was in chronic pain every day. What I learned to help me get over it took me all over the world teaching, and I became a much better teacher and a better actor. And I had a full career as an actor, uh, which paid my living for you know until I I retired formally from acting and moved to Texas so I could teach. Um, more fully. So, when I didn't listen, the universe came back at a, in a hard way, and made me learn the hard way. And I did learn, and I got on the right path, and I've been incredibly happy. and And now I've had a recently had a back surgery, so I'm actually in much less pain. It just took 24 years of you know walking every day in pain to um, to finally, you know. Finally, learn the deeper lessons. I just don't want
0: our readers to have to go through that. Oh,
1: well, amen, <laughs> listeners.
0: Yeah, amen. <laughs> amen, Lisa. That is a blessing. I'm telling you, a lot of people don't recover that easily. Um, and I'm sure you probably know that because some people doing stud doubles, you can end up losing your life in that industry too. It's very dangerous because some people go, they go all the way, they max out with that type of stuff. So I can imagine. So, like I said, I'm glad that you're you're still here, but, um. Let's talk about the price you paid psychologically, emotionally, and physically for your career, though.
1: Yeah. You know, I felt like Superman um, and not Superwoman, by the way. I felt like Superman. I mean, I had left tall buildings in a single bound. And all of a sudden, I was an invalid, and I couldn't walk. And I, and my identity went through a, a severe crisis. I, I went into deep, deep depression, and I developed peripheral uh, conditions because my um, body atrophied. I developed asthma, severe asthma, and I I, I couldn't go anywhere for, I, I couldn't even walk one block on a sidewalk without maybe falling down. And so even just like if I went shopping, I could only go to, Um, A store that was about 30 steps from my car I didn't go to museums I couldn't go to big stores Well I could go to Costco with my husband Because he could get one of those Big carts that I could lay down on But you know I couldn't do, I couldn't go to movies Because I couldn't sit through them I couldn't eat, uh, I couldn't sit Through a whole meal And uh, it was very very difficult And so I had to learn Ha- uh to redefine my whole sense of identity i had to learn that i am not the things that i do but i am who i am and that i'm a a viable human being even if nobody else is in the room because i used to think i was only a valuable human being if i was making a positive impact on somebody in the immediate moment which meant you know if like if i taught you technicia how to how to perform a role and you went and did it for the casting person and you messed it up it was my fault not your fault it was my fault because i wasn't good enough and that's like that's like really crazy um we i learned that when i give a gift i give it the best i can and if i open myself up to guidance from the universe that Um, I will have given it the best I can, and what the world does with it is what they do with it. That's their free will. It's their gift to take it, you know, and that's a hard lesson to learn that, you know, if if you go shopping and you pick out a great scarf for your girlfriend and you picture in your mind that she's just going to love it, and she looks at it and says, you know, Lisa, what are you thinking? I never wear that color. This is terrible. Like, I would be heartbroken, and now i know you know what i there there there's a reason that i got that gift and maybe she's going to give it to somebody who really needs it and and maybe she's going to give it back to me and maybe i'm going to get to wear it because maybe it was i picked it because it was for me and not somebody else or whatever you know there's another purpose you can take that mistake and make it into um uh, the perfect thing by seeing the beauty of it and so I, I learned all these things. I learned all these alternative paths to healing, and they are what helped me become a better human being, a better teacher, a happier person, and to, uh, you know, introduce life-changing body, mind, spirit work to actors and teachers all over the world. So um, that that alternative path became my true path. Yeah.
0: Wow. Uh, I love I love what I do because I love the fact that I get a chance to sit down with people such as yourself who I have followed and admired throughout because I'm a TV fanatic, um, first of all. I love good old classic movies. I, I looked at one, a documentary on Jennifer Jones, who played in so many movies and went with all the rich men of the world. So I, I get a chance to really get behind the scenes, and that's what I love and what I do. So it's really an honor for you just to be here today with me. If you had never got hurt, do you think you would have continued doing stunt work?
1: You know, I really loved um, the science and athletic uh, element of it. And, and this was the amazing thing, Technisha, even though I was hurt um, at, after about, about four years after I was hurt, I still accepted another stunt job. And, um, you know, in my book I tell about this, it was like God uh, – I, all I had to do was sit on a roller coaster. And it was a 1950s-style roller coaster. It was a movie with Patrick Swayze and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. And um, it was called Three Wishes, and it was a 1950s movie. And they built – North of Los Angeles, Lake Castaic, they built an old-fashioned 1950s carnival with a wooden roller coaster, and they wanted stunt people in it. And I was going to be right in the front because they looked very young. They wanted it to look like young people were in it. And I was in the in the roller coaster, and they said, let's everyone get out. Um, we're just going to put the camera and the camera operator in the front seat and do the roller coaster's point of view, my point of view. And when the roller coaster went around with the cameraman in it the second time, one of the metal cross hatches of the scaffolding came unbolted and dropped down and when he came around it hit him in the face and it shattered his eye bone. It, he lo- he didn't lose his eye ultimately, but he was sitting right where I was supposed to be sitting. And I, I sat there and I went, oh my gosh, uh, this was supposed to be an easy nothing stunt, and look what happened. And then, and that wasn't enough. They sent all of us home. They put dummies on there. But three days later, they called me again and they said, would you just come and sit in this in the in the um, Ferris wheel? What could happen in a Ferris wheel, really, right? And I said, okay, I I knew that I was going to hurt because I'd be be sitting for a long time. I knew I'd be in pain, but I figured for $500 I could be in pain for a night. I'm sitting in the Ferris wheel, and I don't know if you've ever been in – southern california but i lived there 18 years and i can tell you the number of electrical lightning storms that happened in in 18 years i could probably count on one hand and sure enough we had a lightning electrical rainstorm while i was in that ferris wheel the ferris wheel broke and i had to sit in in a ferris wheel in a lightning storm for five hours in pouring rain with lightning all around me.
0: Oh, man. No way.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, I clearly, Technicia, if I hadn't gotten hurt, I would have kept going because even though I got hurt, I kept doing it. And and those next two jobs that I did where – I could have been been blinded, I could have been killed, or I could have been electrocuted, doing yeah. stunts that basically were <laughs> nothing, required no skill whatsoever, just a body. And, but that's the whole art of a stunt person is you're expendable. You're put in the place of, of a, an important person so that the important people don't get hurt. And that's really something wow. to think about.
0: You know? It is. Yeah, that makes you really think. That makes you appreciate life but just to get to that <clears throat> for some, excuse me, for some to actually have to get to that point to appreciate life, that's when you definitely know you needed that wake up. But I'm I'm boy, listen to that. That really I'm telling you, if that don't make you count your I don't know what else will but we're gonna take a right? We're going to talk about her book, Falling for the Stars, and then we will get a little bit more into questions about her being stuck uh, 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 double So don't touch that dial. You know the number three four seven four two six three seven five one. Do call in, but we'll be right back after this short commercial break.
1: Peek-a-boo, peek-a-boo, smile, smile, buddy. Come on, smile, oh, honey. He's still not smiling. Maybe he's not a smiler. <sighs> yeah, maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe he's just being a boy. You know how boys are. Or maybe he's teething. Oh, poor baby, I think his gums hurt. Maybe he's just tired. Or maybe his tummy hurts. He didn't eat that much. Maybe he's not ticklish. You think maybe he's scared of a dog?
0: Maybe he'll outgrow it. Maybe it's a phase. Maybe he just doesn't like smiling.
1: Maybe he has autism. And we can definitely do something to help.
0: Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big,
1: joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. Learn the others at AutismSpeaks.org signs or see a doctor today for an autism screening. The sooner it's diagnosed, the better. And it can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the
0: Ad Council. We're back with Lisa Loving Dalton, and we have the pleasure of being here talking about her lifestyle, stunt double the drastic measurements that she has to take to have to be it, But she has an awesome book out, and I hope you're ready for this. It's called Falling for the Stars. I even, I even love the title, Lisa. How did that title come about? It's I love it.
1: Yeah, well, it it came to me actually several years ago. Um, that it would be a great title because that—that's what I did. I fell, literally fell for the stars many times, and I thought someday, someday, maybe I'll write a book. <laughs> and um, so, I—it just kind of stayed with me. And then the, the subtitle of Stunt Gals Tattle Tales came because I realized that there's some other things out there that say falling for the stars. And of course, most people mean think that. Uh you know it's falling in love or falling for your dreams or something like that and um and and also falling you know for the stars is ultimately how I severely injured myself, so there's many sort of layers of meaning in in the title for me
0: okay now what gave you the kind of irrepressible, indomitable spirit that has kept going through all those terrifying stunts, setbacks, and disappointments and keeps you vibrant today.
1: You know, I um, grew up, uh, as you mentioned in the bio, as a dyslexic and clumsy, very, very klutzy. And I, so I developed this sort of um, uh, uh, persistence and self-discipline because I wanted to, I guess to some extent, I was sort of mad that girls couldn't do what boys could do. I had twin brothers who were 13 months older, are 13 months older than I am, and they were real tomboys. And my older and younger sisters were dancers, and I was just, you know, the klutz. And, um, Uh, But I wanted to, you know, climb higher in the tree fort. I wanted to be on the football team, and I got into athletics. Um, I was the worst person, uh, the worst girl on the basketball team when I was in fifth grade. I was on, we had four, three different teams in the fourth, fifth, sixth graders, and I was in the C team, and I was the last person picked to be on the team, and I played for two minutes out of the whole season when our team was winning the only game it won, two to four, and I got to play the last minute or two of the game. I don't think I ever touched the ball. But I had gone to every single practice. I just had this I'm going to stick with it kind of thing. And when they gave out um, trophies at the awards ceremony, which covered men and women or boys and girls from fourth grade through 12th grade in five or six different sports, softball, baseball, football, um, you know, soccer, and, you know, boys and girls, softball and baseball and, and stuff, I won one of three trophies given out to of all the people for loyalty, and and that was the same year I remember the teacher. My I was fifth grade. The teacher wrote on the board. I never forget this moment. She wrote, "Self discipline," and mm. and I can see it in my mind as a fifth grader looking at the board. Self discipline, and
0: that's I, a big I just, word for a fifth grader.
1: It it is, but I I just said you know you got to stick to it and my mom was great she was just you know be be persistent you just stick with things and you get better sweetheart and you know by seventh grade I was winning most valuable player trophies I got I won won county trophies in tennis and won most valuable players in softball and basketball and went on to win. You know, awards in in acting and directing and things like that. And I never sat around waiting for anybody to create an opportunity for myself. I just went for it. And I believe that if you have a dream, you can't sit around waiting for other people to just offer it to you on a platter. You need to tell people what you want to do, you need to have a vision for how you're going to do it, you need to know what you've already got going for you and you need to know what you need to add into your mix in order to move forward on your dream and ask for help. So um, that with a lot of, you know, stick to it. Intuitiveness, if you will, <laughs> um, <laughs> that you can you can achieve so much. And when you're clear on what you want, you know, I wanted to be better. I wanted to do things better. And uh, so I still do. I still I, I i mentor teachers from all over the world in how to teach uh, Michael Chekhov's acting technique. And I still go to Michael Chekhov workshops as a student because every person my students teach me, every person has something to offer me that I as long as I keep learning, then I can keep um keep you know, growing and that's gonna be the most important part of what I can do, you know, in my life because I bring that back to the world. So yeah, it's
0: huh. Just I just, love it because, you
1: know, I, don't, I speak don't that. don't let them knock yeah. you down. Yeah. Don't let them knock you down. Right. You got to come back. Yeah. And I love it
0: because I speak that with other people for my affirmations, you know, adding value to other people's lives. And here you're living proof on that. You still, although I'm down, I may not be capable of doing this, but I'm still capable of doing that and I'm going to keep going and I'm still going to add value to other people's lives. I love it. And it's just, don't get any better than that, I I would say, how do you embrace, let me ask you this, how do you embrace what is imperfect and make it perfection? Because that's what it sounds like you're doing now. It's, it's beautiful. It's Oh, I love it, Lisa. I do.
1: Yeah, you know, I, for example, I mean, the whole idea that I'm uh, dyslexic and clumsy, <clears throat> I wear a bib. Believe it or not, Technicia, I do. I carry a bib with me because all my clothes were stained, and I have a full breast, and so, you know, everything is stained right across my my chest. And all day long, I'm ashamed of being a mess, right? So I wear a bib. I wear a bib. I pull it out. I put it on when I'm eating. And I, I'm the kind of person it just like stuff happens to, like the waiter will drip wine across my shoulder, you know, <laughs> stuff that even I'm not, you know, responsible for. But so people look at me. I'm I'm in the fanciest restaurant, or I'm in a McDonald's. It doesn't really matter where I am, but I'm pulling out my bib. Some people look at me like totally weird, like what, like really? She's wearing a bib. And I go into a comedy routine. It's like, yeah, you know, you come into the world wearing a bib, you go out wearing a bib, everything in between is just your, your, is an issue of your pride, and therefore I have no pride because I'm a mess anyway. I'm just wearing a bib. I look silly for ten minutes, but that's okay because the rest of the day I feel so proud of myself because my bib is a mess and my clothes are clean. So I look at look at what you know, is a weakness of mine, and I make it into a fun thing. I meet so many people through my bib. I create conversations anywhere I go the moment I take out my bib. And people are jealous that I have the courage to wear a bib. And it's, to me, it makes so much sense, you know. And I had, like... Because of the dyslexia, you know I, I recently found, and I was undiagnosed, and you know it, nobody told me you have a condition where numbers and letters reverse themselves, and the, the reason that I didn't get great marks in mathematics. I looked a couple years ago, my mother gave me my school records, and that fifth grade teacher that wrote self-discipline, she had written in my school notes, I'd, Lisa got a B instead of an A in math because the numbers that she solves on her paper are correct, but she writes them down wrong off the board. And I have to, hmm. so her answers are different from the answer sheet, and I have to grade according to the answer sheet. But no one said, this is dyslexia. And so all my life I suffered with, you know, getting people's phone numbers wrong, getting addresses wrong, um, not knowing my left from my right because, uh, because you know, some people hold up their, their finger and, L, you know, make an L out of it and the one that is facing the correct direction they know is left. I, I didn't know that I because it looked the same to me. And so I had to slow down, like I realized a lot of my clumsiness and a lot of my dyslexia could be fixed if, um, number one, I tapped on my, um, my eyes, eyebrows right between my eyes over my nose. If you tap there, that's sort of where your brain signals cross and, and they get more straight and aligned. And if I slow down and concentrate more, um, if I just breathe slow down concentrate then i'm much less clumsy but the clumsiness did i had to learn how to survive it i had to learn how to fall down and not get hurt and of course i made a whole career out of that you know <laughs> as a stunt woman i had learned how to fall down and not get hurt so it i took all those you know all those sour sour lemons and, and turned them into lemonade or Sour grapes turn them into fine wine.
0: That's what you have to do. You have to keep on pressing on. You don't get down there and start crying, poor pill for man and feeling sorry for yourself. You have to just keep on striving. And, and that's what you showing today. you showing that strive. You don't give up, and that's what a lot of people do. They give up, feel like it's the end of the world. Oh, I'm going through this, or keep playing the victim. No, you don't keep playing the victim, you get up. You get That's up and you it. keep on pressing on. Don't keep using excuses now. Now yes. in the book, you you demonstrate something important in your book: how to feel for themselves, such as yourself, when they feel pushed to do something they feel is unsafe or not right, or afraid to alienate the balls that maybe the spouse or someone pressuring them.
1: Yes, yes, there were a number of times that that I talk about um, stories where. I was asked to do things that were not safe and I had to put my foot down. And in that business, if you don't do what people want you to do, you can, you might get blackballed. And some stunt women have been blackballed because they called out, um, you know, the they called out stunt men for the drugs that they were doing. They called out mm-hmm. producers mm-hmm. and, and, um, productions for unsafe practices and they've never worked again and to some degree you can see that that it's probably better for them to not have worked because um uh, one of the first stories i tell in in my book is how i got hit by a car when i wasn't supposed to and i think it's because of cocaine and um i didn't know i was very naive at that point but I had another situation where uh, a girlfriend of mine went ahead and did a, a job that they kept promising her they weren't going to go go so fast with the car, and um, and she she saw they were going too fast, but she had to go forward because someone else was doing the stunt at the same time. And in the stunt world, if you do a job that's real dangerous, you get paid each time, each take and if you mess it up you don't get paid you have to do it again for free and in this case getting hit by a car is one of the most dangerous things you do and it was two people getting hit and the guy started to go even though she started to stop because they had lied to her they were going faster than they were supposed to which increased the danger and but because her partner went she didn't want him to have to, you know, do it for free. So she went and did it, and the and the windshield broke and almost killed her. Um, she came; the, the glass went into her neck, and and it came within fractions of, of an inch of cutting her spinal cord and her carotid artery. She would have been dead. And
0: um, yeah. and it was because
1: the. Most cars in the United States now are all made with safety glass, but this was a foreign car, and it didn't have safety glass in it and safety glass when it breaks, it breaks into little teeny modules that can cut you, but they can't cut very deep. it's just like a like cat scratches and um and this was deep shards of glass that went into her throat and uh and it and it and up to that point. I was still succumbing. I was still sublimating what I knew to be true, and I wasn't taking a stand for myself. But after that, I said, no, I realized, you know, this is life and death. And you, if you never work again, so be it. And mm, I noticed out in the real world that a lot of times we we don't understand the depth. Um, for example, a man hitting us or anybody hitting us, being abused, somebody abusing us, a boss um, misusing us, things like that. Um, We let it happen because we don't want to lose our job, and we have to stop that. We we need to realize that we are losing our life when we allow Mm -hmm. others to abuse us. And it is better for us to... Create a whole new world for us to leave the situation. The universe will take care of us. There are people out there who will help us. They will, uh, they, they will support us if we say help. I need help. I can't do this. Uh, I'm in a situation and I can't get out. We need to call for help, and and, uh, and the universe will provide help and help us get a new life. need to stand up. I definitely believe in that.
0: hmm I do, too, most definitely. Now, with this book, what's the message that you want others to get from your book, Lisa?
1: Um, I think there are a couple. I, I think what we've just talked about really is a strong message that you right. want to... You want to make sure you know uh, yourself and you don't allow yourself to be abused. But also, overall, I was a nervous, um, insecure artist, and I I was kind of doing anything to to make my dream come true, and I went against what I I knew. I I rose to the top of the wrong field. And so one of my big messages is, really try to think about what you truly love and no matter what age you are or no matter where you are no matter who you are right now if there's a you inside that has a vision has a dream has a gift and if you've been afraid to share it it's time it's time to tell people about it it's time to find people to help you express it and and to believe that it's love, your love is really the fuel, love, your love of what you do, your love of who you are, and your love of the gifts you bring into the world is really the most important thing for you to find and share. And I have a new book coming out called Murder of Talent, How Pop Culture is Killing It and i kind of talk you know more about some of the you know what happened to me in my acting career both during uh my stunt life but more you know uh, in in the next um you know 16 18 years in los angeles and okay. how how um young people are sort of, you know, cheered on for for being artists or musicians or athletes, and then when they get to high school or college, people start telling them to do other things and go away from what they love because they should, you know, be a, a, a computer technology person or something like that. I mean, if you love computers, you should do that. But if you don't, you need to do what you love. You really need to do well, what you love. And that's, that's sort of an ongoing theme, love, 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 bring it,
0: talk and, about and, it, be in able- I'm glad you been, especially being women ourselves, you know, we're discriminated so much into certain fields that are required for a man to do. And the man always been put as they are the leader, they're the alpha male, they're supposed to do this, they're supposed to do that, woman's not. So I'm glad you did speak on that part right there because, um, Before we even finish, because we still have more time on the air, how differently are stunt women treated from the stunt man?
1: That's a a great question, and there's several big issues that happen. One is it's very hard, and I hope this is different because I've been out of it a few years, but certainly in my day, I was just one of a few women who became stunt women, you know, meaningful careers as stunt women, who did not form a relationship with a stunt man to get into the business. Most stunt women are the wives of or the girlfriends of or the daughters of stunt men. And the whole career depends on Who knows you and likes you, and it's you know that all careers depend on who knows you and likes you. It's not who you know, which is sort of a big um, fallacy. It's who knows you and who likes you, and what it is that makes somebody like you in the stunt industry very often is can they get you a job? Can I get if if I could get you a job in the future, you'll hire me now, and. All the stunt jobs are basically hired by the stunt coordinator, who is the person who designs and arranges the stunts, and they pick out the stunt people. And, you know, maybe a little bit of it is they pick the people – who will meet the casting director, or not the casting director, meet the director or producer or cinematographer to see if they're a good match. But most of the time, the final decision as to how much someone gets paid, who gets hired, whether they get screen credit, all depends on the stunt coordinator. And it used to be all men. And so the men would hire each other if they could hire each other in the future so mm-hmm. if i if my boyfriend was a stunt coordinator, I would get hired because by another stunt man because he would know that he was doing a favor for his stunt buddy who could hire him in the future and um, in my book, I talk about how is what Cher was was so angry about. She stepped up for me, um, wanted to step up for me and fight for the fact that I was supposed to work for two weeks on a movie, and um, and I got cut off from the the second week because after they after the director hired me personally because we worked together on a previous film, a, a stunt coordinator was brought in above me. And in order to bring him in, they had to guarantee that he could fire me for the second week and bring in a a girlfriend of his who was the girlfriend of a stuntman he owed a favor to. And when Cher found out, she was livid, and she wanted to, you know, storm to the producer and director and, and, you know, change that and make sure that I was hired for the week that I was had been promised and i asked her not to do it because it was already done i knew the industry i knew the fate i knew it wasn't going to help me in the future and more most important i was afraid that it would damage Cher's career and make her seem difficult and Cher was incredibly lovely to me and so generous and um and but i, I literally had to grab her arm and drag her away to keep her from endangering her own career on my behalf, okay. You know, I knew it wasn't going to help in my situation, and 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 Cher was amazing. She sent me an autographed eight by ten of us together in our matching outfit. So, I mean, she was just a wonderful <laughs> person. A little plug for Cher there, and but but this was you know this is what happened, and you'll notice on IMDb Internet Movie Database uh, dot com where they have the list of all the people who are in the movies. And you mm-hmm. can put my, my name, Lisa Dalton, in there, or Lisa Loving in there, and you'll you'll see some of my stunt credits, but you won't see, you know, over half of them aren't in there because um, very few women are listed in the credits. And, right. you know, I have, you know
0: yeah.
1: I have contracts for them. I get residuals for them, but IMDb won't put them on because, I'm not listed in the credits. So stunt women have to sort of battle to even get recognized on the internet in these days. And a lot of times a lot of times producers and casting people they don't even look at your resume anymore. They go straight to IMDb. And if your credits aren't
0: wow, on, your
1: credits aren't on there, it looks like like you're lying.
0: Okay. So, I got yeah, you. Boy. It, you know, gee we're yeah. we still going through a battle you thought this battle would be over and, and it's 2017 Yeah, this is still yeah. continuing on to this year I mean nothing is going to actually change until someone makes a, a stand so the question is probably is what will be a man weakness and that's talking about going through history besides the fact that men are into women uh, which half of them are not but now you have to find a weakness now you have to find a man's actual weakness because we have to break this barrier sooner or later but Lisa I thank you so much for being here can you tell us where we can actually purchase your book darling
1: yes yes my book is available uh, at amazon.com where it was an Amazon number one bestseller and it's also at my website which is lisadalton.com and on the website there's lots of um, fun things you can sign up to download some free chapters you can get there's a Um, an audio you can download that talks about some of the Mm -hmm. acting techniques that you can use just to make yourself feel stronger and, you know, more powerful. And there's pictures of the stunts and the book has over 40 pictures and it's got a crossword puzzle and it's got a little dictionary about um, all the different positions in the movies. And both of those are downloadable. The, The, um, the, um, uh, you know, the, the crossword puzzle, and which you, you can do if you read this book. And so there's lots of fun stuff in there. Plus, there's information about my upcoming um, workshops and Uh, performances and things like that around the country so uh, lisadalton.com is a great place to visit and I love to hear from people so uh, lisa at lisadalton.com is a great email if people want to hook up with me there and all my social media stuff is on the website so people can hook up with me through twitter and through facebook and linkedin and stuff like that pinterest
0: most most definitely. Once again, we have had a wonderful conversation with Lisa Love and Dalton. Please make sure you go out and purchase her book, Falling for the Stars. It's an incredible book once you get your hand on it. Lisa, thank you once again for being here. I wish you so much in your future endeavors. I do. And before I leave any of you, I have to leave you with a positive. With our truth for the day from my friend Mary Ellen. Open your mind to the endless possibilities that exist in our world. Become hungry for knowledge. Explore the world with a fresh perspective. Feel progressive and become more broad-minded than ever before as unique, investigate unfamiliar belief systems, ideologies, or philosophical principles. If you are not sure about where to start, ask yourself, what do I enjoy doing, learning, reading, or studying? Wisdom does not exist in a vacuum. Open your mind to the myriad possibilities that exist do not limit yourself explore and experience the wonders of the world through increasing your knowledge base make highly informed choices that reflect your awareness of life today accept the fact that you have much to learn begin your discovery now enjoy the day and remember either your mind expands to match your goals or your goals with strength to match your mind so let's grow
1: Thanks for listening to the Bright Side with Technetia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com.